Hey, I'm Naturalists. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to your very first season three bonus episode of Unnatural. Oh, right out of the gate. Already a bonus episode. I guess that means we are just raring to go for this season. We are super ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. And I know you're ready to go. And Baby, I'm, I'm ready to go. Ooh, giving us that 90s nostalgia. So this is a recent story, which is getting far less attention than I think it should. So I thought we would cover it on the podcast here today. The U.S. state of Wyoming and the East African country of Kenya, they're about 9,000 miles away from each other and about the same distance away culturally and ideologically. Yeah. In Kenya, the population is around 54 million while Wyoming is around 600,000 people. That's it? Yeah, that's it. It's the smallest state in the country by population, actually. Kenya's national dish is called Nyama Choma. You know what that is? No, but it, it sounds like something I want to eat. Well, you probably would. I know I do. It's roasted barbecued goat. I don't know. It sounds pretty amazing to me. They, they have all these uh, delicious vegetables and stuff around it, too. Meanwhile, the citizens of Wyoming prefer steak as they are in the heart of cattle country in the U.S. Mm-hmm. The national animal of Kenya is the lion, mm-hmm. where there's around 2,500 of the big cats. We love a lion. Wyoming doesn't have any lions, unless you're talking about mountain lions, where there's a number of those. So We love those. They're sneaky. They are. Got to be careful of the mountain lions or the cougars. So deep dive on Kenya and Wyoming over. You get the picture. Two totally different places. Couldn't be any different than they... I mean, like they're just so far apart. But nevertheless, Wyoming is where 32-year-old Irene Gakwa found herself. She had a passion for nursing and wanting to help other people. Her two brothers had already come to America and they were prospering. And so she determined that she wanted those same goals for herself. Now, despite being half a world away, she always communicated with her mother and father almost on a daily basis. So when Irene stopped answering their phone calls and their texts this past February, they immediately knew something was off. Oh, no. This is the ongoing story of the disappearance of Irene Gakwa. Irene Gakwa was born in Kenya and by all accounts was a daddy's girl. She was the youngest of three children and the only girl, so naturally she was a bit spoiled, but she was also extremely shy, especially in public. And based on some of the research I was doing, Emily, it appears that her family was, I would say, more well-off than the average family in Kenya. Mm -hmm. Much of the country is impoverished, but her father 
is an engineer, so they did pretty well for themselves. So much so that all three of the kids were able to come to the United States to pursue their education and further their careers. Now, while her brothers were doing pretty well in the States, Irene's parents were, I would say, a little apprehensive about her moving there. Mm-hmm. For starters, she was extremely introverted, like so much so that they had to remind her to even go outside. Oh, and wow. Yeah, she just did not like being out in public. She was in her own shell all the time, and they weren't really sure how she would relate to people in the United States. Yeah, I feel like the United States is not the place for that level of introvert. Everybody is so loud. Merkel. Yeah. I mean, unless <laughs> unless you just stay in a basement in your computer all the time. Well. Then you're probably okay. Yeah, some people do but do that. Irene couldn't be talked out of it, though. She wanted to study nursing, and she wanted to be closer to her brothers, who she obviously had a deep bond with. So in 2019, she made the long move to the United States, specifically to the state of Idaho, where both of her brothers were. She moved in with her brother, Chris, and his wife in the town of Meriden, which is just outside of Boise. And while she was there, she developed a deep bond with Chris's wife, Joyce. The two were like, inseparable they did everything together which is pretty awesome because sometimes you don't always get get along with your brother's wife you know sometimes there's just some animosity there or you never really connect this was the opposite of that they were like sisters basically yeah you hear you i feel like i feel like there's no in between when it comes to (laughs) in-laws it's either you're really really close or you hate them. Like there's there's yeah. like very little middle ground. <laughs> it's it's funny the when you say that because everybody I know who has in-laws, yeah, either they're best friends or they have a voodoo doll that they push pins in at night. Yeah, see, them. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the two became they were so close that they ended up doing all kinds of things together. They even during the height of the pandemic, took a girl's trip to Los Angeles. And that's where Irene confided to Joyce that she had met a man. His name, Nathan Heitman. Mm. And they met on Craigslist. On Craigslist? hmm In 2019? 2020, 2020? Yeah. yeah. It's like... How did they meet on Craigslist? That's so... It's so 2004. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by that point in time, they didn't even have the like secret encounters or hidden encounter, whatever it's called. What was it called? I don't know. It sounds like you're more of an expert on that than I am. Were you checking it every day or? No, I just would like, <laughs> I would no, like see it- screenshots from it on like Tumblr. Oh, I I would check it just for sheer entertainment. I mean... Especially that missed connections page. Yeah, hey, that's what you. I was talking about. I saw you at the grocery store. You bent over. Your ass looked amazing, and I thought you winked at me. <laughs> like weird shit like that. Yeah. Super weird. <laughs> anyway, so Nathan and Irene became serious. 
so much so that he actually moved to Idaho to be with her while she attended nursing school. Then later in the summer of 2021, she moved with him to the small town of Gillette, Wyoming, where she transferred to a school there. The last time that she saw her family in person was last Thanksgiving, where they cooked their traditional Kenyan food, probably that barbecued goat I told you about, had a great time, talked into the evening, all was well. Last February was the last time Irene's parents believed that they spoke to her. Her father has said since that that phone call, I think it was on WhatsApp, so I I believe it was a video chat. Mm -hmm. She, She was being playful with him and she was smiling, but he also said that she appeared kind of tired and disheveled at the time. Like she wasn't as put together as she usually was. Okay. In the days after that call, her father and other family members were messaging Irene, but they received no word back, which was not like her at all. Remember, I told you they kept up with each other almost every day, despite being 9,000 miles apart. Eventually, they started to get random messages from her phone. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a text from somebody who you know well, and you feel like it's not them that is texting you. It's somebody else. And maybe they're playing, somebody's playing a prank on them or something like that. Mm -hmm. But usually you can tell pretty quickly because you're like, that doesn't sound like this person. Yeah. And that was the vibes that they were getting, especially because remember, she was from Kenya. So people from Kenya talk a little bit differently than somebody from Wyoming. Right. And usually Irene would text them in a mixture of her native language, which was Swahili mm-hmm. and English as well. But these texts were like someone attempting to use Google Translate, but completely botching it. Ah. Uh. So this went on for a couple of weeks, I guess, wow. until her family finally reported Irene missing. Well, on do we know? Mar- like, what were the texts saying? Do you know? It, they would say, I miss you, mom. I miss being around you. Things are well. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Very short. Um, then she also sent a text that said, I dropped my phone in the bathtub. It's broken. I don't know when I'll get a new one, making excuses mm-hmm. for not being able to talk to them, that kind of thing. Yeah. And this went on for a couple of weeks until her family finally reported her missing on March 20th. Now, remember, the last time her dad believed that he actually spoke to Irene when he saw her on that video chat was February 24th, so almost a month later. Mm-hmm. In the time since, Nathan Heitman has been the main and, to my knowledge, the only suspect. Intrigued by the dark side of things like murder, kidnapping, and sex cults? 
What about when the criminal is your favorite musician or actor or director or writer? Hollywood might look like all glitz and glamour until you take a closer look. But I'll tell you one thing, that kind of point of view can make you more vulnerable. From Roman Polanski to Mackenzie Phillips to Judith Barcy to Kurt Cobain, some are predators and some are prey. I'm Dee Dee West, and I just might ruin your childhood. Follow my podcast, Broken Limelight, where I cover celebrity true crime stories. For more information, visit BrokenLimelight.com. Again, that's Broken Limelight. Follow it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, authorities have initiated over 20 search warrants pertaining to Heitman, and they've uncovered... All related to this? Right. Yeah. Well, this and a few other things Uh that are loosely related, and they've uncovered quite a lot of damning evidence. The first thing they noticed was he purchased some very peculiar items the day after Irene talked to her dad on February 24th. Those included a shovel and boots. Mm. Say it with me. Sus. Sus. Now, keep in mind, Heitman has not been charged in Gakwa's disappearance, but is a suspect in financial crimes against her after she went missing. It's giving Brian Laundry. It is. It's a little Brian Laundry vibes here. Um, Local police in Gillette arrested him this past May and charged him with two felony counts of theft, one felony count of unlawful use of a credit card, and two felony counts of crimes against intellectual property for allegedly checking her banking account password and deleting her email account after she vanished. What did I, I mean, just say? Right? It's giving Brian laundry. Brian laundry. I even had that written down in the next paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, how often does that happen? Um, like every episode, I swear. It does. It does. Yeah, we're on the same wavelength here. So between February and March... Nathan Heitman transferred nearly $3,700 from Irene's bank account to his own, and then he spent an additional $3,200 on her credit card, according to court documents. Wow. So, what does Nathan Heitman have to say for himself, you might ask? I didn't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. Bring Irene home, please. Something like that? Yeah. That's basically... (laughs) I mean, yeah, Cliff Notes. You're, I mean, you're paraphrasing, but yes. It's giving Chris Watts. And it is getting Chris Watts a little bit. He also told police that he last saw Irene in late February when she came home one night. Are you ready for this? He said, she came home one night, packed her clothing in two plastic bags and left in a dark colored SUV. He told police that he hadn't heard from her since. And he said that he was just withdrawing the money from her bank account, Emily, so that she would be forced to contact him if she needed the money and come home. So he was being noble. He was looking out for her. 
He wasn't a murderer. It's giving Richard Crafts. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You remember that? For- I do. Wood chipper. Way back in the day. Yep. So obviously, there's still a long way to go in this case, but I think it's important that it's kept in the public's eye. Yeah. Because that's how people get found. That's how people get charged. And I think it's important to put local law enforcement's feet to the fire on this until something gets figured out. And the family has an amazing website that I encourage everybody to check out. It helps you learn about her life and about their cause. And you can see that at whereisirene.com. So hopefully we get a resolution to this case soon. Obviously, she's been missing for a very long time. So the outlook doesn't look good. But just for her family's sake, especially her mom and dad who are 9,000 miles away and feel completely helpless right now. Right. It w- I can't even imagine. W- Me neither. Me neither. So, yeah, definitely uh, sending good vibes out to uh, Irene Gakwa and her family. Now it's time for the unnatural palate cleanse. Okay, I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. What is a palate? Where Emily and Andy bring you their own unique and offbeat tales of intrigue from around the world today. So, Emily, you know what I decided to do while we were on break? What? Go over some of our older episodes and see if we have any updates. Mm-hmm. Because we've done enough episodes now that it's high time we started providing some follow-ups. So keep listening throughout the season for some more updates, and we'll sprinkle them in there. Emily, I did some digging here, and lo and behold... I found some new information on one of our fans' favorite episodes, Mr. Eric Charles Mond. Oh. We did that case way back in January. So, Emily, would you like a bit of a refresher before we get into the details here? I I would. I remember Murder for Hire. I remember Google reviews. (laughs) Oh, my God, the Google reviews. So classic. Okay, so here's the Cliff Notes version of what went down with Eric Charles Mond. He was the grandson of Charles Mond, the man who founded Mond Chevrolet, which can be found all over the Austin, Texas area. He worked for the company himself, and he was a prominent figure in the city of Austin. Now, Eric had allegedly, as you mentioned, Emily, hired three men for a $1 million hit job on his mistress, Holly Williams, and mm-hmm. her estranged boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, William Lanway in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then also, as you mentioned, who could forget the Google review that Eric Mond left for the spear tip security group that he allegedly hired to do the deed? It read, spear tip is very professional and on top of it. They get the job done in an expedited time. Couldn't imagine using anyone else. Talk about incriminating. Um, a Google review for their hitman? I don't. I can't. It's giving BTK, honestly. It is, but but the thing is, you th- you would think that he would learn to keep his mouth shut after that. No. But no, that's not the case. So, 
anyway, um, that's the gist of the case. But there have been a couple of developments since our episode dropped back in January. First off, this one, probably not super surprising. The Mond dealership, which had been a fixture in the area for decades, actually ended up selling itself to another company out of Houston, and they immediately changed the name. Shocking. (laughs) Right. They're like, okay, nobody's going to buy the cars if we still have that name. Um, Also... Mond is still in jail, despite his lawyers attempting to get his released on bond. So that's good news. He's his definitely trial, a flight risk. Right. And so this here, Emily, is the real reason I wanted to update you and our listeners on our good buddy, Mr. Eric Mond. It seems that he has been quite busy while he's in prison. Mm-hmm. So busy that now he's accused of committing another heinous act. So if you remember, there were allegedly three other guys in on this murder for hire scheme, Emily. The leader was 48-year-old Galid Palid. You also had his cronies, 46-year-old Brian Brockway, a.k.a. the guy with the coked-out eyes in his mugshot. Once you see that, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yes. And also 31-year-old Adam Carey. Now, it appears after being arrested, Mr. Carey requested more money. That's what I've read in some of these reports, because I guess, hey, now that I'm behind bars, I need a bigger payout. So according to reports, Mond agreed to pay him an extra 25 grand. However, behind the scenes, Eric Mond was offering Brian Brockway another hundred grand to take care of Adam Carey, if you know what I mean. So he was trying to get him whacked off. (laughs) he's just trying to get everybody whacked off i mean what a weird fetish this guy has okay and again this is all while he's already in prison awaiting trial for whacking someone off yes (laughs) you didn't think that people would be listening while you were planning another hit job from your cell my guy come on here Obviously, the the guy uh, doesn't have a whole lot of common sense to begin with, but you would think once he's in prison, he would, I don't know. I mean, like, isn't it, is it not common citizen. sense that every conversation you have, every letter, email, video call is, is literally being monitored? You are in prison. Right. And that's outside of prison most of the time. <laughs> when you're in prison, it's even worse. So speaking of Eric Mond's trial, it's set for later this year, I believe. Mm -hmm. And if this indictment from the Department of Justice takes hold, I'm guessing you can expect for even more charges for Mr. Eric Charles Mond. So we'll definitely be keeping you abreast of what goes on in the trial, because I'm guessing there's more drama ahead of us here. This guy is the gift that keeps on giving, I swear. Truly. <laughs> is that all I you mean, have for who updates? Knows? That's it. That's all I got. Well, I have one. Oh, okay. I posted this on our Facebook page. It's not super groundbreaking news, mm-hmm. um, but it is some movement in the case of Ellen Greenberg. 
which if you remember from that episode, she had been stabbed 20 times all over her head, her back, her neck, her chest, her abdomen, all over her body. And her death was originally determined to be a homicide, but then later it was changed to a suicide. Which neither of us could believe. Right. So she died in 2011. And then I did just see in August of this year, the Chester County District Attorney's Office announced that it had assigned an investigator and a prosecutor to take a new look at the case. Wow. So I don't know if that means that it's officially reopened, but they are taking a second look at it, which is good because her family has been fighting for this for more than a decade it's about time so that's new news too that i just saw the other day yeah well that that was always one where you looked at the case and you were like what the hell how could they come to this conclusion so hopefully they get it right right with me at all yeah Yeah. Well, we're going to have some more updates throughout the rest of the season, including one very soon on Sherry Papini. There's some new developments in that case as well. If you remember, she was the young woman who kidnapped herself. Yes. And blamed it on Mexicans so she could go hang out with her boyfriend for a few weeks. Weird flex, but okay. That's all we got. Uh, Emily, how can folks find us on our socials? Maybe they have some other developments and cases that we haven't brought up yet. Yeah. Come hang out with us on Twitter, Unnatural the Pod, Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast, on Facebook, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us an email, unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon page where you can get early access to ad-free episodes, bro bonus content and much more that is patreon.com slash unnatural the pod and as always be sure to rate subscribe follow and share us with your friends we will talk to you again next week yeah in the meantime don't whack us off and make good choices and don't get got bye Instead of like Karate Kid where he's like wax on, wax off, it's whack on, whack off. Oh, God. You know. We're going to have so many gems for the outtakes. It's so funny because sometimes we'll go through it a whole episode and not have any outtakes. And now we almost have too many. Yeah. But I don't mind. Or a risk to hire someone to start whacking off witnesses. Yeah. Anyway. Whacking off witnesses, huh? (laughs) 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 It's just what came out of my mouth. Leave me alone. Hey, I'll give you $500 if you go whack that guy off. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Taking out uh, Assassinating I don't know uh, Okay um, 
God, I'm literally <laughs> crying right now. <laughs> 48-year-old Jaleed Palid. <laughs> what are you... Just keep going. Are you still laughing at the whacking off thing? <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about prison and three other guys, and I was just like, did he whack them off? <laughs> Maybe he hired these guys to get whacked off. <laughs> hey, I know this is out of the ordinary, but when he drops the soap, can you whack him off for me? Oh, God. Okay. No, keep going. I'm, try I'm trying not to waste time here. Okay. We love those. They're sneaky. They are. Gotta be careful of the mountain lions or the cougars. And I'm not just talking about the cats. Am I right? Oh. Please stop. <laughs> hey, I was seduced by a cougar. And I'm not talking about a lady. It was an actual lion. It was a very traumatic moment for me. Hold on one second. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I know that was a good intro, but well, no, you know, know how, I, how I said like a few minutes ago that I heard si like weird sirens. Yeah. Well, then I could hear it's I don't know it was like screaming or yelling, and I was like, is something actually going on outside? And well, yes, but no. But apparently, my neighbors are having um, a birthday party, and it's got too loud or what? well it's ghostbusters themed and, nice. and you know like the like the, oh, the car like the, the station wagon yeah that's they, they have one actually you know what hold on i'm gonna go take a picture of it and show you yes do it oh my god okay did you text it to yes. me yes oh my god that's awesome <laughs> yeah so that was oh, the source cool. of the sound the wee-woos and the screaming. Yes. Oh my god, that's a lucky kid, whoever they are. There's something strange in the neighborhood. Who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! If there's something weird and it don't look good, who can you call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghost. Next time we're in person, we're going to do unnatural arm wrestling. That actually sounds dirty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dude, no, welcome seriously? to unnatural with, arm wrestling. With my right hand, I think. I don't know. Whichever of my hands is not stronger, Riley beat me in arm wrestling. <laughs> Aww. I think it's my right you hand. Know, you know what sucks? So my sister, three years older than me, and... When I turned 12, so she was 15, I could finally beat her in arm wrestling for the first time, which I was like, yes! However, now that I live a mainly sedentary lifestyle and she fucking chops wood and kills moose and shit, she beat me in arm wrestling when she fucking came to visit. She's ripped, man. I am so fucking embarrassed. Like, God damn it. Like, honestly, I think that more than anything has prompted me to start working out again. 